Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Jim's column in the uh, Star Tribune uh, this morning talked about uh, baseball's pitch clock and uh, being, you know, kind of a raging success uh, so far. Jim, I, I have to admit, I was one who was kind of opposed. I don't like clocks in baseball, but I've even warmed up to it quite a bit. The, the game is more watchable. It's so much more watchable. Uh, it's so much. It flows. It, it certainly saves an immense amount of time overall. You know, we've we've gone from more than three hours a game to about two and a half hours a game. Uh, it, it means that, you know, I mean, baseball really is an inconvenience. You know, if you want to <laughs> be a real fan and watch all the games uh, and go to the home games, you know, now you have a, a fighting chance of getting home at a decent time. You have a chance on a West Coast game of seeing the ninth inning. Uh, but even more than the cumulative time to me is the way the game moves. Mm. I just got so sick of watching Velcro adjusting and standing around. It, it, I mentioned it in my column. Mm. ESPN on Sunday night, they're showing a Juan Soto at bat from last year. It took him 30 seconds to go from standing next to the box to getting into the box, and then it took another like five, 10 seconds for the first pitch to be delivered. And that's just nothingness. It's just, and, and the funny thing is that with. The less time between pitches now, I find myself paying more attention to the game and being more involved in the game because I'm not, I don't have enough time between pitches to like send an email or look <laughs> something up or check my phone. I'm actually engaged in the game. It's actually made me not only more interested in watching Twins games, but also I'm more interested in watching out of market games now because I know there's going to be some flow to the game. Harder to write your column, though, in between pitches when guys <laughs> aren't, aren't standing around when you're at the but, game. So, how, so how's it been in person then? Have you enjoyed it as much in person? Because, you know, yes. baseball is meant to be kind of social. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, I wondered about that myself. I haven't been to a game yet. I plan on going when I get home here. No, I love it. Yeah. Because, again, you're, you're not just waiting on people to do nothing. Um, mm. and, and listen, I don't know, you know, I, I've, had, I've had the usual complaints. You know, I don't have as much time to drink beer. I don't have time much... I can't imagine you not being able to have a conversation in two and a half hours or mm. drink enough beer in two and a half hours. And uh, there are other places that sell beer other than the ballpark. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, just, I mean, I don't know. I, to me, it feels much more like a sport and much less like whatever baseball had become, which mm. is, you know, not much contact, not much action, and you're just waiting for something interesting to happen. Now, to me, the at-bats themselves are more interesting. Uh, also in your uh, paper today, a uh, column by Phil Miller talking about the conversation that Carlos Correa had with Byron Buxton about kind of cajoling Buxton into, you know, accepting being a DH every day for a while. It's funny, too, because when I was in spring training, which is early, I talked to Buxton at length about DH and he kept on saying, I'm, I'm a center fielder. And he, he really went on kind of a rant about, I'm a center fielder. I'm always going to be a center fielder, you know, da, da, da. and then, you know, sometime after that, Correa invites him over for dinner and they sit around and Correa just kind of, and, and listen, this is one of the reasons the twins were so willing to invest heavily in Correa, even when everybody was questioning his injury history or his lack of, you know, of, of sheer offensive production, they feel like he does basically run their clubhouse. He runs, he, he is their Kirby pocket. He's the guy who kind of polices their clubhouse who truly is a leader in both the way he plays and the way he talks to people and, 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 you know, when management comes to you with something, it's really easy to, to, to buck up against that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, when your teammate and somebody you really trust suggests it in a nice way, it's probably easier 
Now, my guess is Baldelli and Correa had this conversation, and Correa said, let me, let me soften them up for you. <laughs> right? I, I would love to try Correa's lobster and shrimp uh, chickpea pasta as well. That sounds quite tasty. I'm going to ask for the recipe later today. <laughs> so it has helped out Buxton in the lineup. However, the Twins lineup struggling mightily uh, right now. They made Cal Quantrill look like a Cy Young winner, which he clearly is not. What's going on with the team right now at the plate? They, je- I mean, it's a team-wide slump right now. And the only thing that has salvaged, you know, a winning record so far, you know, to is to combine with the really good pitching so far has been the fact that they have hit home runs. They've hit home runs. They have not hit for average. They have not drawn enough walks. They've not been good enough with runners in scoring position. Uh, so hitting home runs is good, but it can't be the only thing you do well. So they need, frankly, it's just, they just need better bats. You know, I said, I mean, you know, and that Miranda is kind of the, the, the most obvious example of all this. And I said, I think I said it yesterday when he stays in the zone, uh, when he makes people throw strikes, when he works the pitcher, uh, he's a good hitter who draws some walks. When he swings outside of the zone, uh, he's a bad hitter who doesn't draw any walks. Uh, he needs to be a good hitter for this team to be good. Um, I think Correa is going to come around. Uh, but you do have a lot of mysteries out there. You don't know if Michael Taylor is going to hit. You don't know what to expect from Kepler. Uh, you don't know if Gallo is going to, you know, Gallo can have a week where he doesn't make contact uh, at any time. You don't know what whether Kirilov's ready to break through or not. Uh, you don't know how much you're going to get out of your catchers. Miranda's been in a slump. Polanco, you think you know what you have, but he's got to stay healthy. You know, there just aren't many sure things in this lineup, and that's really that, – that problem has raised its head uh, so far this year, and it's a hard – it's a hard problem to fix too, because if, if, if Buxton's going to DH, then you can't just go trade for a DH or bring somebody up to DH because that position's being used. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, you would like to see, and I think it's going to happen. You'll see Buxton in center field. Uh, maybe that opens up some at bats for you know whether it's Walner or Larnick or whoever swinging the bat well in that position. But they really need you know Buxton, Correa, Polanco, and and then whoever's playing first base, whether it's Kirilov, Larnick, whoever, they need those people to produce runs, and that hasn't happened enough this year. Do you think it's true, you know, the old adage is hitting is contagious, lack of hitting also contagious. Is that true? Do teams kind of, you know, if a guy gets hot, can he carry him and, and other guys start hitting too? Or or is that uh, or is it really an individual sport and one guy doesn't affect the other? It, it, it can be contagious for this reason. Uh, when... I think when a team is struggling offensively, what you tend to see is people, you know, doing the baseball version of hero ball. Okay, let me hit a home run here, get a skill. Uh, when a team is swinging the bats well, then there tends to be more of a, a, a almost a subconscious thought. All I have to do is have a good at bat, get on base. The next guy's going to drive me in. All I have to do is keep them keep the train moving here. Um, when hitter and I think we've seen that a little bit with the Twins. They've hit home runs, but they've probably taken a lot of bad at-bats trying to hit home runs. Uh, what you really want, especially in, in the way in, in a season that doesn't have a juice ball like 2019, what you really want is guys taking good at-bats and knowing that every once in a while a pitch is going to show up that they're going to hit over the fence, but not necessarily selling out to hit home runs. And so, you know, if if Correa, Buxton, Polanco get it going, then the other guys in the lineup probably relax a little bit and just – worry about having a good at bat rather than trying to win the game with one swing uh the uh, golden state warriors had a chance to win last night's game against the lakers and even that series at two and then it was the big three who made losing plays at the end of the game i don't know if you got a 
chance to see that last night, but Curry took bad shots and then had a bad turnover at the end. Thompson was missing shots all night. Draymond Green, a key turnover in the waning seconds of the game. It was unusual to see that. It was, and it, it, to me, it almost speaks to what we were talking about. You see those three guys, championship caliber, trying, feeling like they have to make spectacular plays for their team to win. Poole has been a disappointment. Uh, Wiggins comes and goes. Uh, they don't have much of a bench. They don't have much size. So those three guys are almost trying too hard. And, you know, when, they, when that team has been good, the ball movement is beautiful. And, yes, they hit some difficult shots, but they also hit a lot of, you know, open catch, catch and release threes. Uh, the ball movement creates openings for them. It opens up the lane. And right now you, you can tell that they don't really trust anybody else to take those shots, and that makes them easier to guard. And, and uh, the Lakers are getting uh, huge minutes and playing time from Anthony Davis, another kind of mercurial player at times who uh, can look like he had just been shot and be back in the game three minutes later. Uh, but, boy, he has really, uh, you know, he's played great in three games, and those are the three they've won. And this is the first time he's played well in back-to-back games in these playoffs. And if he's going to start playing consistently well, uh, the team's going to be really dangerous. Uh, and, you know, hey, they still have the greatest play, one of the greatest players of all time. Anthony Davis is a top ten NBA player when he's playing well, and then they have a really interesting, you know, cast. Last night, D'Angelo Russell was terrible, and they still so they still won. They if if LeBron and Anthony Davis play well, uh, there are enough other people who could contribute for them to to find their way to win. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at five sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.